Lead Generation Strategies for B2B Tech Companies, a podcast by Brightvision. Here, you will learn how to generate great leads from the most experienced B2B sales and marketing people. Your host today, and always, is Jakob Levenbrand, CEO at Brightvision. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to the B2B Lead Gem podcast for tech companies. My name is Jacob Levenbrand. I'm the managing director of Bright Vision as well as host of this podcast. Today we have a special guest with us, Stormy Andrews, who's the president of Yoko Local Internet Marketing based in Las Vegas, uh, USA. Stormy is an award-winning international author, founder of the agency, and also a podcast host of the podcast Disruptions. But not only that, he's also the creator of the world's best buyer persona, a concept he has developed, which leads us to today's topic, how and why you should create a buyer persona and how a buyer persona can improve your business. So Stormy, welcome to the show today. Thank you, Jacob. I'm, I'm honored to be here. I'm so intrigued to hear more about all the insights and content you have, uh, especially around uh, buyer personas today. But maybe we could just start out a little bit to hear about your background on how you ended up becoming a marketing expert. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's an interesting journey, uh, how I found, how I became a marketing expert because prior to this, I was in the world of sales. And you know what, it's not uncommon for someone in the sales industry to find their way into the marketing industry, but it was purely by accident. I was uh, the uh, sales manager for a home builder in Las Vegas during the big housing boom back in the uh, you know, the early 2000s. And the owner of the company said, Stormy, I love what you're doing in sales. I want you to take over the marketing department, right? So I'm like, I've got this. I'm a, a superstar. Well, <laughs> uh, little did I know, once I took over the marketing department, that was really the first time I had to work in my life. It was a lot different than sales. And I had taken it for granted because sales was more finesse, where marketing required more of the brain power. And I immediately found myself in over my head. Uh, my, my hair turned gray, and that's not an exaggeration. Within a matter of a few months, my hair went gray because it required me to um, do things that were outside of my comfort zone. So I was able to work my way through it a few years of, of, of you know, running the marketing department. But what I had found in that particular role, because I was ignorant in the world of digital marketing, was I would hire a variety of companies, one company to help us out with AdWords, another company to help us with their website, another company for SEO. And the problem was every time something went wrong, they would point fingers at one another. And I didn't know who was accurate in regards to what was happening or, or who was uh, who, who was basically uh, giving me misinformation. So it, it was very, very uncomfortable being ignorant and not knowing uh, which of my vendors was, you know, what was on my side and, and which one was not performing. So uh, eventually I met my business partner. He became a mentor for me in the world of digital marketing. And uh, he guided me through that process 
when I was still a novice and I took it from there, start listening to some of the experts that he would listen to, started taking courses and training and all my free time was consumed in the world of digital marketing. And uh, when I formed Yoko Local, it was formed for that person who was sitting in the same seat that I was sitting in in the home building industry, someone who was intimidated by the world of digital marketing and wanted someone that could be their advocate. And if things went well, they knew uh, who to thank. And if things went wrong, they knew who to, you know, who was responsible for it. You know, the, the, um, and, and I wanted to make sure that I created a company that had the same type of accountability. Oh, that's a great story there. And uh, yeah, the rest is history, as they say. You have <laughs> yeah, the rest is history. Agency, running your agency. And uh, you have also become known to be specialized in buyer personas and very passionate about that. Can you describe how you came into the, how, how did you end up becoming an expert on buyer personas specifically? So this is going to be a, a fairly long story. I'll apologize in advance, but I think it's a very, very important story, if that's okay. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, I had an interesting upbringing. As a child, my dad worked for the United States government, which required us to move all over the country. And every year we would move. Every year I would attend a different school. And the schools were in different parts of the country with different cultures and, and different communities. Some of the communities... Uh, we moved into were upscale. Some were more um, uh, of an urban community where they were more of a rough and tumble type of community. And, and every time we would move, I had to uh, learn to adapt to uh, just different communities. And this happened every year. I didn't attend the same school until my 11th and 12th grade year in high school. Uh, that was the first time I experienced what it was like to attend the same school two years in a row. So I started developing, and, and on a non-conscious level, I started realizing that people had different communication styles, and, and if you were able to adapt to their communication style, it gave you an advantage. And like I said, this was on a non-conscious level. Well, as um, uh, you know, I entered into the real world, uh, it, 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 it helped me tremendously in my sales career. Uh, eventually, I became a licensed practitioner of neuro-linguistic programming. And what that helped me do, and, and basically to give a, a brief description of what neuro-linguistic programming in is, neural is the brain, linguistics are the words we use when we speak, and programming is our version of the world, meaning our life experiences and background and education uh, helps us define how we see the world. So as I put my life experiences combined with my formal training, I started entering into the world, uh, I, I started training on better communication techniques. My first book in 2008, I was able to co-author with Jack Canfield and Brian Tracy, and I wrote on the topic of effective communication techniques. And uh, I, I would travel speaking to universities and organizations, how you can be a better communicator in the world of business. Well, now we have this digital space coming along, you know, which is the internet, and it's becoming more prevalent. And I always felt that the digital landscape had poor communication skills. So almost from the very, very beginning, I wanted to figure out how do we make our digital assets communicate better? You know, I was used to training salespeople to communicate better, to improve their sales. And I see a website is no different than being an employee. And if we can make that, that digital asset communicate better, it should be more effective at what it does. Now, 
going back to traditional personas, when I first built a persona, it was filled, it, it was completed with a lot of demographic, demographic data. So when I completed the persona, I felt, wow, this is great. This is some awesome information. But then when I wanted to put that, um, I wanted to apply that information to the marketing, it was really, and, and for all intents and purposes, it was useless. I, I, it, it, I, I created the persona. I didn't know what to do with it. And it just sat on a shelf. And, and that was, you know, going back to 2000 and uh, that takes us back to like 2004, 2005. So I didn't think personas were the answer at the time. Well, then when I combined, when I started really looking at personas, I, I looked at what I know in, in, the, um, in, in regards to effective communication techniques. I determined that most personas were inadequate because they focused too much on the demographics. So I started working with my team and uh, over the, you know, the last seven or eight years, we've been working on perfecting a persona system that was more reliant upon the emotions and the feelings and the triggering events as to what the people are thinking. And if we were able to, pre to, to create a persona that was more emotion-based, that was more uh, uh, designed to be in alignment with the customer versus trying to get the customer in alignment with the company, I felt that it would be a far, far better way to make digital assets more effective in regards to their communication. So um, to, to, to bring it all together, it was my dissatisfaction of from the very first persona I ever built, realizing I wasn't able to use it. And then uh, taking what my expertise in regards to effective communication techniques and working the last seven years, putting that together so it could work in a digital format. Thus, we have the world's best buyer persona system. Did that make sense? Absolutely. That's such an interesting background you have there that uh, goes very well with that marketing uh, persona building uh, competencies. So yeah, interesting. And if we dive into a little bit, I was hoping to, to get a few, a few of your uh, um, best practices here uh, described. What as a practitioner, marketing practitioner, should you start with when you start thinking about building personas? And uh, yeah, where, where, where do you go from here? <laughs> so it, it you know, in an ideal scenario, I'm going to give you the ideal world, which very rarely comes together. You know, an ideal world is you would um, um, get your your best customers together. You would bring them into a room and you would be able to ask them a series of questions. But I can tell you from the, you know, hundreds or thousands of how many, how many ever buyer personas I've built, very rarely are have my clients been able to get their best clients together in a room. It just doesn't happen, right? No. So we're like, okay, we have to do this. And we realize that that's going to be very difficult. So who should we bring to the table? Well, my, uh, uh, you know, if we're not able to get the, the customers, then if we can bring to the table, the various departments that are customer facing. So who are customer facing? We're going to have the sales department, you know, their customer facing. We'll have the customer service department because their customers say facing. And then we'll also have the marketing department because normally in most organizations, there's a disconnect between the marketing department and the sales department. The, 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 the sales department tend to think that the marketing department are bringing in the wrong type of customers because of mismessaging. And the marketing department feels that the sales team uh, just aren't that good because they can't, uh, close, you know, the customers that they're bringing to the table. So it's good to have all three of, of those departments together. And then 
once we bring them together, then it's a scenario of let's forget about the company, where we're gonna take the company out of the equation altogether because we're going to start thinking about the customer. And uh, the, the customer service personnel, they're gonna have a different perspective in regards to the customer as opposed to the salespeople. You see the salespeople, they know what the customer is uh, prior to that prospect becoming a customer in the customer service department, they're, they, they have an experience of the customer after they become a customer. Does that make sense? So we have mm -hmm. two different components. So once we can get them focused, then we, we've created a, uh, basically a series of questions that we can go through, you know, almost a questionnaire that requires us to think. Uh, and, and, and when I say think, it's, 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 it's really putting the, the customer at the center of the universe and then aligning our messaging, our deliverables, you know, to the customer. So one of the things that we look at is as it pertains to a solution. So, you know, let's say we're in a B2B environment, right? Mm -hmm. Oftentimes in a B2B environment, you have someone that is making a decision. You, you know, maybe it is a, a general manager or a VP of, or, but, but they want to make a considerable decision as, a regard, as it pertains to a company. Well, I think a lot of organizations go wrong because when they're describing their solution, they're describing their solution in regards to a lot of facts and figures and, and, and items that will make a lot of sense to the prospective company, but they're not thinking about the person within the company that is making the decision to buy their goods and services. So oftentimes in the B2B space, especially if you have a considered purchase, so, or, or a, 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 a product or service that is considerable in price. The person who is making the decision, oftentimes they have to make the decision and um, the, the, they may be a little nervous because if they make the wrong decision, what happens? They could get fired. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it may disrupt the company, all sorts of bad things that can happen. And those bad things that they're you know, that they're thinking of are not only the bad things that can happen to the company, but the bad things that can happen to themselves. Correct. Yeah. But on the other hand, if they make the right decision, there may be, if it's a very, very considered person, a uh, uh, considered purchase, meaning a, 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 something that is very substantial to the company, if they make the right decision, maybe they're thinking that a promotion is in line. Maybe they're going to, uh, it's going to help them in their aspirations to uh, uh, grow within the company or grow within their career. So oftentimes, uh, when, when we're going through the buyer personas, we're comparing it to Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And we want to identify what, needs to, what need needs to be met as it pertains to your ideal client making this decision. So in this type of scenario, that would be a safety need. This particular person needs to make a very, very safe decision. So if I understand that he, need, that he or she needs to make a safe decision, my messaging should reinforce the fact that we are the right solution and, and it's a very safe solution. Here are some case studies. Here are some other people that were in the same scenario. And if you go with the wrong solution, uh, we know what can happen. So we wanna bring up the good, we wanna bring up the bad, but uh, it's very, very difficult to do without thinking of the individual person who makes the decision more so than the company that needs the goods or services. Did that make sense? Absolutely. Interesting. Very interesting. So um, when you help companies, do you facilitate these uh, things for, for companies? Uh, because it seems, 
yeah, it's it's a hard work to to get all these things in place. <laughs> it is, you know, building it was very very hard. So you know, uh, one of the reasons I came out with my book is to help people do it themselves because my time for people. Um, uh, I, I do have organizations that sit down with me. It happens. Uh, it, it doesn't happen as often as it used to because my time has, um, it's a little bit more expensive. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, some of the, you know, some of the smaller companies are like, Hey, do you have someone else that can help? Yep. I'll give you someone else that can guide you through. But uh, I put the process down that once someone learns it, uh, where, uh, we have the ability of doing half day trainings. One of the things that I'm working on are, world's best buyer persona um, uh, certified instructors. So this way other individuals can learn the process and train and teach, you know, other organizations how to do it. But it's also laid out pretty clearly in my, in, in, in my book, the world's best buyer persona system, which, um, you know, when it was released on Amazon, it, it held the, uh, the one, the, the, the hardcover was in the number one position um, uh, for new, you know, hot new releases. And the softback was in the number two position. So I, I was holding the uh, top two spots for a considerable amount of time in the market and, and in the marketing category, which is pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, um, I know there's a lot of, uh, uh, appreciation of that process you have developed since it is a crucial thing to get right as a marketeer. One problem I, uh, come across, uh, quite often is that when you work with the client, they have buyer persona, but it feels very copied. Somebody had brought it maybe from an earlier employer or, you know, uh, they found it in some uh, downloadable <laughs> on Google or something. Yep. It's, it feels very template based many times and don't give so much uh, info. Uh, so, how, what should you say to those kind of uh, companies that maybe have one, but they don't really make any difference? <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's, it's funny that you bring that up. And, and I would ask the companies, um, you know, first of all, if they're wondering, hey, am I that company? Well, if you have not looked at your buyer persona recently, then chances are, yes, you're that company, especially in the world of COVID that we're in, right? Mm -hmm. But those buyer personas that you find on the internet and they're a dime or dozen, you're absolutely correct. They serve no purpose whatsoever. They look fancy. They get you some, a pat on the back, but they really, really serve no purpose. You can look at the buyer persona and if it's focused on uh, demographic data and if it's really focused on things that really make no difference, then you have a, you know, in regards to helping a, 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 a prospect or a potential ideal customer doing business with you, it's, it's, it's a scenario to where it's, it's a futile effort and it's a waste of time. The, uh, so if, if I was speaking to one of those companies, I would say, you know, let's go back, let's look at your buyer persona, and then let's just really ask the questions, how is this helping me? Okay, if I know this, this information, one of the examples that I use is, let's say if my goods and services, uh, I knew that my ideal client was a, 53-year-old male that drove a minivan that, that, that had 2.3 children and made, you know, $250,000 a year and um, went fishing on the weekends. And I knew all of that type of stuff. And mm -hmm. let's say that person lived two doors down from me. Well, does that really help me help him choose my goods and services? No, not really. And that's the problem with, with most buyer personas. They look great on paper, but when push comes to shove and you go to uh, apply what's on the buyer persona, 
They just don't work. And if, if you're a C-level executive and you're wondering if, if your marketing department, if they're using that type of persona, I would go ask, say, listen, how are we using this? Show me your persona. They show it to, to the uh, executive. Okay, where are you applying this knowledge? They're probably going to give an answer. Oh, we're applying it everywhere. Okay, sh I would ask the next question. Show me one specific instance in our marketing efforts where you're using this data. Just show me one. That probably won't happen. Exactly. That's that's a great controlling question there. So uh, uh, talking about that uh, question, uh, how does it influence the marketing? Uh, I can also sometimes stumble across the other uh, extreme where a company actually have made quite a lot of research and, and done the process sometimes of your book outline there and, and the steps you recommend, but then have so much uh, going on so they don't really use that insight. It becomes more like a shelf report, you know, you put it away somewhere and then everybody goes on as before. How do you actually get an organization to implement that research and that insight in, in their daily things they produce? So phenomenal question. So uh, one, it starts at the beginning. Remember, uh, oftentimes when buyer personas are built, organizations will put the marketing department and say, go build a buyer persona. They very rarely have input from the sales department and the customer service department. They just tell the marketing department to go do it from your own perspective, which is a mistake, right? So if we're able to beginning to bring the other stakeholders into the process of building persona, they're going to be part of that process from the very beginning. Now, let's say if you're in a scenario for some reason you can't bring them in. One of the things you must do is you must provide training on your ideal personas. And see, when, when, you, when, when you use the world's best buyer persona system, we're building this, this almost this psychographic, this emotional profile of our ideal client. When I see organizations using the, buy, the ideal persona you know, correctly. Uh, I, I've got an organization right now, they have a gentleman named Warrior Walter, right? That's their persona. So within that organization, if one department speaks to the other department and they're like, hey, listen, I was talking to a Warrior Walter, that other department knows exactly who they're talking about. Mm -hmm. And they, 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 they know the other person's, their pains, their emotions, their strengths, their weaknesses. So if they were able to do a handoff, that handoff is, is, is flawless. You know, it's, it's an efficiency. So if, a, if an organization understands that when they do the buyer persona properly and they do the training and they really understand with just two words in this particular scenario, Warrior Walter, if anyone that at, in, within that organization says Warrior Walter, the other person understands that person intimately. Think about the other side of this, the inefficiency of, okay, I've got this client and I've got to spend the next 10 or 15 minutes explaining the pain points, the weaknesses, the strengths. Uh, it's a very, very inefficient process. So once a company understands that there's a huge efficiency bonus or a, a, yeah, an efficiency bonus by implementing the buyer persona, bringing the other departments in and having training, then their eyes start to light up because they're like, oh my gosh, I see it. We should have been doing this a long time ago. And that's what happens uh, with many organizations when they implement this type of system. They're like, oh, that made so much sense. I have no idea. It's so simple. I have no idea why we weren't doing this all along. And some of the best ideas are those ones that just seem so simple, like, I cannot believe we weren't doing this all along. And that's typically what happens with the world's best buyer persona system. You may have four or five of your ideal personas, and you're just referring to them by their, by their persona name. And once you say that, the other person within the organization knows so much more about that person. Yeah, that's, it, that's a great tip right there. Uh, 
just an, an story that I heard from uh, HubSpot, since I know you're a HubSpot agency as well, uh, was that they actually had a, uh, you know, real size doll they were carrying around to different meeting rooms uh, who was representing their customer. <laughs> Absolutely. So, Such a great exercise. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that was a funny one. But do you have any uh, recommendations of how to keep uh, that culture, you know, remembering the personas and, you know, bringing them up in the discussions when you take decisions and so forth? Um, do you have any similar tips or low-hanging fruits for organizations to think about? Yeah, the, uh, you know, the doll is obviously a great idea and you can have anything <laughs> represent a doll, right? That's just, just such a great way of doing it. But um, the, uh, probably the best tip, if I go back to, if, if the training is provided where uh, the other departments really understand who the persona is, that's the thing that's key. Oftentimes that never ever happens. And then you use the name. So let's say within your organization, you have five or six personas. Mm -hmm. Well, when, when you're referring to a persona, you refer to them by their persona name. Um, you know, just like I said, when I mentioned Warrior Walter, I'm able to have empathy for that particular person. I'm able to have uh, uh, an emotional connection and an emotional bond just as if I was naming anyone else within the organization or a customer. And it allows everyone to be on the, um, to, to have this unified vision. So if there's five or six personas, 10 or 12 personas, whatever the number may be, refer to them by name. Uh, and, and then you can play a game that when you have a particular customer or client uh, that you're dealing with, you, you know, a sales manager from the sales team because uh, a, a strong, a world's best buyer persona absolutely helps in sales because you're going to gain insights and, and be able to have just a far superior sales conversation and sales dialogue. Um, the sales manager to a sales, to, to, you know, her salespeople can say things like, okay, the person you just spoke with at XYZ Corporation, uh, which persona do they most uh, uh, align with? Well, now it requires that salesperson to think and if you do that consistently, it creates habits and those habits turn into uh, uh, results that are very, very difficult to achieve otherwise. Mm, yeah, that's perfect. And talking about results there, um, if a company does this and they you know, profile or their CRM uh, contacts, uh, they have in their CRM system with you know, which buy persona that belongs to and also tries to uh, adapt their communication, maybe landing page uh, copy and, and so forth. How much improvement in conversion rates or similar metrics have you seen if it works well? <laughs> in other words, is it worth the hassle? <laughs> so uh, I, I can give you, the, the, the question is absolutely, if, if the goal of the company is to grow revenue. <laughs> the answer is, is it's, it's tremendous. Can I give you an example about the, the changes that's happened in our world uh, yeah, uh, yeah, with please. COVID? Absolutely. So uh, when COVID hit, I'm going to share the story with our agency, and I have similar stories with our clients, but uh, I only have permission to share one of their stories. So I don't share their stories unless I have their permission, but I will share our story. Yeah. So here is a scenario when COVID hit, you know, we're in Las Vegas, a lot of our clients, because we started in Las Vegas back in 2010, a lot of our clients serve the casino industry. Mm. The casino industry shut down. So uh, within the course of a week, you would not believe the number of phone calls we had that said, hey, uh, Stormy, we need to pause or, or stop 
or you know, discontinue our services from now. So within the course of a week, our revenue went down 57%. Mm. And so if you can imagine 57% of, of, of paused revenue, that is pretty substantial. It's a you know, scenario to where, uh-oh, I can't cover payroll, I can't cover bills, we, we've got a problem. So we had to go back ourselves and look at uh, our buyer personas. And what we found is that our buyer persona that we had prior to COVID, you know, the world had changed. And with the world changing, that means, uh, you know, I changed, you changed, everyone changed. Hmm. That means the person who's making the decision, the way they make decisions, their triggering events, their, um, you know, their, their, their problems that they're looking to solve, their, uh, uh, what they're seeing or hearing in the marketplace is totally different. Their, their motivation for wanting to trust us is, is totally different. Everything had changed. So we had to go back and real, re, revisit and rebuild our buyer personas to change a, a lot of our messaging based on this world event that has changed. And it wasn't about the demographics. You see, the demographics with our clients really didn't change, but the way that they thought had changed. So we changed a lot of our messaging, and we started uh, um, uh, you know, ch you know, changing the way we were approaching our clients. Now, as of three weeks ago, we came back uh, to where we're back in the black, which oh, is that's great to hear. pretty awesome. You yeah. know what I mean? From a 57% reduction. So it wasn't something that happened instantly and it happened overnight. But as of three weeks ago, we got back to at least being in the black and we're out of the red. And that was because we had to shift our buyer persona. So one of the things that the buyer persona is extremely powerful and the reason that you have to revisit it is because when the world changes, having a tool like the buyer persona, you know, the world's best buyer persona in your arsenal allows you to go back, really think about your ideal client, think about how things have changed and then change your messaging to meet them where they're at. You see, they're not going to meet us where, our, where we're at. We have to meet them where they're at. So if we were shooting our arrows at the target and if the target has moved and we keep shooting our arrows at the same spot, that's kind of crazy, right? Mm -hmm. Because the targets moved. Why am I keep shooting at the same location that I've been shooting at for the last few years? So in that scenario, um, it made a world of difference. I mean, it just, 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 just made a world of difference. So, you know, and, and like I said, it took us roughly uh, just over 90 days. And in 90 days, we were able to recoup that revenue by changing our buyer persona. And then once the world gets back to normal, we may have to shift our buyer persona again but having this tool made a world of difference. So that, that's our scenario. Let me give you a scenario for, um, uh, and this is the only one I, you know, this is a, a smaller company, but I still think it's, it, it's, it's a great scenario mm -hmm. uh, because we're writing a case story right now. We, we had a, a, uh, an, an, a collision center. So we had a gentleman who owned a chain of collision centers in Las Vegas. He received an unsolicited offer to buy his collision centers for $35 million. He sold, he retired. And he was with us from the very beginning, from the day he started his collision center. Uh, you know, and it's more of a B2C, but, but I still think it's a great story. Uh, within, uh, uh, you know, a, an organization that was doing a couple of million dollars a year in business, we helped him grow it to 30, you know, to receiving an unsolicited offer for 35 million. Well, he retired, moved to another state, another city here within the United States. And um, he got tired of being retired very quickly. So he decided to open another collision center. And when he started construction this collision center, you know, COVID hit. He was under construction during this COVID timeframe. 
and he's, he, was, he was extremely nervous, if you can imagine. He has millions invested in this beautiful new facility, and uh, he opened his, his facility uh, at the end of June, the last week of June, but we knew we had a change of buyer persona, so we actually started the marketing for his facility about two months prior. Well, uh, end of last week, I believe it was on Friday, we received an email from him because what, we what he decided to do, because he figured it was gonna take him a while to ramp up his business, was he was gonna do all these other side things, like, hey, I'll, I'll start doing work on RVs and boats and off-road vehicles. I'll do all this side work until my main business builds up. Mm. And uh, so we started really, really focusing on his persona, figuring out who his persona is uh, you know, in the world of COVID. So his messaging, that, that we put together for him was radically different than what we would have done. Well, last week we received an email from him and said, listen, take the boats off my website, the RVs off my website, take, the, take all that ancillary stuff off my website because we're too busy. I can't handle the business we're getting in right now. And that's in two months after opening. So going back to your question, does a world's best buyer persona work? Absolutely, because when you connect with someone emotionally and considering that we make 80% of our decisions based on emotion, you've got a really, really unfair advantage as opposed to the, the, the rest of the marketplace, which are trying to connect with people on logic. People don't make decisions based on logic. Oh, that's a powerful story as well. Thank you for sharing those two stories. Uh, extremely powerful. And so good to hear that both your clients and your agency as well are, you know, in, in the black again after a stormy, <laughs> a rough, <laughs> a stormy, <laughs> stormy <laughs> weather. <Right. laughs> yeah. Well, that's, that's so fantastic. And uh, Thank you, Stormy, for, for sharing those uh, things with us. I know we could interview you for, for many more hours since you have so much content to share with us. But uh, let's uh, instead say that you have also written quite a lot of content and you also have your podcast. So for our listeners who want to find out more about buyer personas and your concepts around this and so forth, where can we send them and how can they get in contact with you? So one of the ways uh, you can either, you can find me one of two different ways. Uh, you can find me on my company website, which is yokolocal.com, or you can find me at stormyandrews.com, and that's stormy with an I-E. So if you go to stormyandrews.com, uh, that's my personal website. The other thing that you can do is buy a copy of the World's Best Buyer Persona book. And Jacob, if, if you're okay with this, uh, I can send you a a um, a a promotion code and let me tell you what this promotion code will do the if, if someone buys you know and here's the scenario that I, that, that I run into let's say someone buys the book on the world's best buyer persona and I teach them how to build the world's best buyer persona and now they're like okay I've got this world's best buyer persona this is awesome and I really really want to implement it what are the next steps that I can do well one of the ways that I look at marketing is I look at marketing in, in eight areas uh, there, there's awareness you know what's my strategy you know, and, and for awareness, what are the tools and tactics that, that we're going to use for the awareness stage? And uh, what are my KPIs for the awareness stage? But then there's eight other categories, the same scenario. There's awareness, there's engagement, you know, there's lead generation, conversion optimization, the wow moments, uh, the, you know, the customer ladder taking prospects to customers, customers to clients, clients to advocates and advocates to raving fans. And then there's reviews and then there's referrals. So I have a course on uh, our website. It's like an 18 part video course. And it's really designed for people that have completed the world's best buyer persona exercise, because then once they've completed the exercise, this will allow them to build their strategies for these eight areas. I sell that course for $197. What I will do is, is I will 
figure out a way to give you a, uh, I'll create a URL on our webpage and, and create a promo code. So if someone buys the book and if they provide proof of purchase that they bought the book, I'll give them free access, you know, 30 days access to that $197 course. So you buy a book for 20 US dollars and you're getting access to a 30 day course that helps you really, really implement what you got out of the book uh, for free. What do you think about that? That sounds like uh, the deal of the day. That's uh, fantastic. Uh, I strongly recommend everybody who's interested in this to buy Stormy's book and of course, get this promo <laughs> that's so generously of you to offer. So thank you for that, Stormy. Great uh, offering. Yeah, so I will send you, I'll create a URL, a, you know, special URL uh, page for you that, uh, you, you know, your listeners can go to. And then it's basically, they just take a snapshot to prove that they purchased it on Amazon or whatever, you know, where, where, whatever site they buy books. And, um, and then we'll give them access to the course. And there you go. I think that's a, uh, uh, that's what I'll do for you. Perfect. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Stormy. It was great talking to you and I wish you all the best in the future with your agency and future books and uh, your thought leadership in Barry Persona space. Uh, so thank you so much for your time today. Awesome. It was my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to Lead Generation Strategies for B2B tech companies. Don't forget to subscribe. You will find it where podcasts live. Discover how we can help you with your lead generation activities at brightvision.com.